Brothers and sisters, thank you for tuning in to the Gospel of Malcolm X podcast. I'm your host, Brother Eric, and it is a pleasure to be back and with you in the studio again. As I always do, I like to start the show by thanking you all for your continued support. Thank you all for the emails that you guys send me. Um, I do check my emails. I may not always respond, but thank you for the emails. I appreciate them. Continue to reach out to me um, on social media, Instagram, Facebook. And all of those uh, those venues, I, I definitely appreciate the support. Um, I'll put my cash up out there soon. I'm not always into asking for money or whatever, but if you guys want to donate, it is what it is. I don't have it up up yet, but I'm I may eventually put it up. Um, and I'm not going to be consistently asking for 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 stuff. If you guys want to donate, it is what it is. Um, I do this show as a labor of love and as a um, this is my platform to continue uh, the truth about Malcolm X and keeping that truth about Malcolm and his legacy alive because he is one of um, the, the black leaders that represents black masculinity truly. And you can see that his legacies is constantly targeted, um, targeted by you know, the FBI when he was alive or whatever the case was and in the media uh, targeting him and then also, you know, targeted by the Nation of Islam during that time, even though now I will admit that there are some brothers and sisters that are affiliated with the Nation of Islam that. That show nothing but love and respect for Brother Malcolm, a lot of them are not the ones that are associated with Farrakhan's um, groups, but some of the ones that let's say were a part of the so-called first resurrection, some of them, you know, I'm not saying that they agreed with brother Malcolm and everything he said about Elijah Muhammad, but they knew that brother Malcolm was a serious minister. He was an honest minister. He was a righteous minister and they don't have really much bad to say about him. They, they have love for brother Malcolm and they feel sorry for how things went down. And so I want to send a shout out to those brothers and sisters that um, either are a part of the Nation of Islam or were a part of the Nation of Islam that show love for Brother Malcolm. I definitely want to send a shout out to them. Number one chief on that list is the Supreme uh, Melchizedek, older guy. I think he's in his 80s or something like that. He's like 83. The man looks like he's 33. Um, the guy takes care of himself. He's in good condition. He refers to Malcolm as the God and said that Malcolm was the God that when he shook Malcolm's hand, he felt like he couldn't die. That's the kind of confidence that Malcolm imparted upon him. Now, mind you, this was a brother that stayed in the nation of Islam during the split between Malcolm and Elijah. But these are the things that he had to say about brother Malcolm. And he was hurt about the conflict that went down between Malcolm and, um, the nation of Islam at that time. But when you see this brother speak about Malcolm in the recent, uh, I think one of them was a Netflix film where he spoke about Malcolm. He spoke about Malcolm very well. And, um, I appreciate that. And you had people, um, that were a part of Wallace's, um, nation of Islam where they dedicated a temple, um, in Harlem, Malcolm's old temple. They named it um, after Malcolm. And I, I appreciate that. So I want to sh uh, spread some love to those Muslims. Like I said, a lot of them are not a part of Farrakhan's version of a nation of Islam. 
Um, and we're going to talk about some of those Muslims today that have said ne negative things about Malcolm, even after his death, chief of them being Louis Farrakhan himself. And the reason why a lot of people hold the nation responsible for Malcolm's murder has a lot to do with the things that Louis Farrakhan has said out of his mouth, him bragging on Malcolm X's death in 1972, referring to Malcolm X's killers as quote unquote, brave men. And then also him uh, bragging on uh, Malcolm's death and a Savior's Day speech. And I may include the audio from both of those things um, in, uh, in today's message if I get the chance to. So the reason why I'm doing this podcast and it's not all uh, together, I like to plan it out as much as I can. But today we are flowing off the cuff. We are wilding and freestyling, flowing off the cuff. Uh, because the news came out today from the Washington Post, and we will be reading an article that two men who were convicted of Malcolm X's murder back in, I believe, 1966, they are expected to be exonerated tomorrow. So we're going to be reading this article from the New York Post. There's there's big problems with this. As we get into the article, I'm going to break down where the problems are. We're going to be uh, once again, going back into the notes of Carl Evans, Carl Evans, definitely you want to check out the books by the brother Carl Evans, one of them being the Judas factor, the other one being, um, what is it called? Uh, the messenger. He wrote a biography on Elijah Muhammad called the messenger. Both of those are, uh, really good books, great books. Check them out. The brother is thorough with his research. So we're going to be uh, first reading this story, and then we're going to be talking about also the Netflix film, um, who killed Malcolm X, because that ties into why these guys were exonerated. And, and I have old, old, older podcasts talking about this too. So if you check back through the archives, I talk about Norman Butler. I know I have a podcast about it that's back in the archives. So if you want to go back and check that out, uh, definitely feel free. So I'm going to get into this article. Um, it is, uh, from the Washington post. There's a lot of articles going on about it, but I chose the one from the Washington post. It was written by Sydney Trent and it was published, um, this afternoon. And so the article is titled Malcolm X. Who was he, why he was assassinated and who did it? And once again, it was written by Sydney Trent. Um, and published today at 3.41 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Two of the men convicted of the 1965 assassination of Malcolm X will be exonerated Thursday, that is tomorrow, raising new questions about the circumstances surrounding his death. Who was Malcolm X? Malcolm X was an African-American religious leader and a civil rights activist who spoke about the need for black improvement and advocated for the, uh, for the adoption of Islam within the black community as a spokesperson for the nation of Islam. During his time, he was a controversial figure among white and black Americans alike for speaking out uh, ferociously against the racism of white people, famously referring to them as blue eyed devils and arguing for the creation of a black separatist society. But the same outspoken stance against the brutal treatment of black people during that era made him a hero to many especially African-Americans in the North. Malcolm X's advocacy has been celebrated again in recent years amid high-profile killings of black people 
by white police officers. And yet, as with his more tempered counterpart in the South, the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X's views changed over his short lifetime. After leaving the Nation of Islam in 1964, Malcolm X traveled throughout Africa and underwent a transformation as he encountered Muslims of all races. He abandoned the nation's um, virulently uh, anti-white ideology and converted to Sunni Islam. His international ambitions, which included charging the United States with human rights violations against African-Americans at the United Nations, drew the ire of the U.S. government, according to Les Payne and Tamara Payne in the book, The Dead Are Rising. We're going to do a book review on that book, The Dead Are Rising. Please, I'm going to put it in my notes. We're going to do a book review on that one. He also became a growing threat to his former mentor, Nation of Islam leader Elijah Muhammad. Why did Malcolm X break with the Nation of Islam? Malcolm X had learned of Elijah Muhammad's affairs with women in the Nation of Islam and his many illegitimate children and enchanted the leader's moral character and hypocrisy began sharing this knowledge within the nation. So let's not just pretend like these are just affairs with women. A lot of these women, as uh, Malcolm stated, were teenage secretaries. These were very young sisters, too, that were Elijah's personal secretaries that, that he impregnated. In the wake of President John F. Kennedy's assassination on November 22, 1963, Malcolm X gave Muhammad an opening to oust him. In a speech in Manhattan, Malcolm X called the murder a case of the chickens coming home to roost. Muhammad, who had forbidden his members to speak about the assassination, suspended Malcolm for 90 days with no plans to reinstate him. In March of 1964, Malcolm X announced that he was leaving the nation to start Muslim Mosque, Inc. A few months later, he founded an organization of Afro-American unity to encourage oppressed black people around the world to join forces. He also began divulging Muhammad's secrets in public. Rumors that the nation was plotting to murder him uh, did not escape him. I live like a man who has already died already, he told, he told reporters. So mind you this, let me catch up to speed in this little thing. You know, I like to step in and kind of DJ a little bit. <coughs> so yeah, Malcolm started talking about the secretaries. And I want to say June of 1964, but this was when the heat was already on. They were already trying to kill him. They were already. Um, they were trying to kick him out of his house and leave him on the street homeless. Matter of fact, the interview that you hear from Malcolm X, where he's saying the real reason why they want to kill me, etc. He's outside of the courtroom fighting for his house. And I believe at that time he may have actually just lost it. So this is just what is going on at this time. It's not like Malcolm X left the nation of Islam and just suddenly started talking about Elijah Muhammad got these babies by teenage secretaries or whatever that that's the narrative that likes to be pushed, but they were trying to kill him well before that just of him having knowledge of this stuff. Where and how was Malcolm X assassinated? Malcolm X was assassinated at age 39 as he was preparing to give a speech at the Autobahn Ballroom in Manhattan, February 21st, 1965. As he greeted um, his audience from the podium, there was commotion in the back room. Get your hands out of my pocket, a man shouted. The man struck a match and lit up a rolled sock, throwing the makeshift bomb into the auditorium floor. Malcolm X shifted his attention to the ruckus. Two security men in the front stage moved towards the disturbance. 
deserting their posts. Members of the audience turned their heads. Malcolm X raised his arm and stepped forward to the wooden podium and said, now, brothers, break it up. Um, as the assassin wielding a sawed-off shotgun at the podium aimed at Malcolm's chest and pulled the trigger, Malcolm X fell. Meanwhile, two accomplices dashed to the edge of the stage, shooting Malcolm X in the ankle and both of his thighs. The three gunmen turned to retreat through the chaos. Two managed to escape the ballroom, but Malcolm X's bodyguard shot one attacker in the thigh. He shot another one in the stomach. Shout out to Reuben Francis. Shout out to Reuben Francis. He was packing his heat that day. Um, even though they said that Malcolm told his people not to be carrying heat, Reuben Francis was packing and he did shoot a man in the stomach. That man is believed to be Muhammad Ali's bodyguard um, from up in Boston. Uh, his name is Clarence 2X Gill. Clarence 2X Gill is, is who that man is believed to be that Malcolm X's uh, bodyguard, Reuben Francis, popped him in the stomach. Um, and uh, after he, he was assisted out, <laughs> it said that he uh, pretty much went down to Miami and was in Muhammad Ali's uh, camp or cipher or so. So Muhammad Ali may have had knowledge of these things. He did later in his life, as you guys know, say that Malcolm was right about so many things within regards to the Nation of Islam. And he also said that the biggest mistake that he ever made in his life, Muhammad Ali, that is, was turning his back on Malcolm X. Meanwhile, on the stage, undercover New York police officer Gene Roberts, who had been working as a part of Malcolm X's security detail, tried unsuccessfully to revive Malcolm X. This is a loaded dice because uh, it's disputed whether or not he, he really tried to revive him or if he killed him. Japanese-American activist Yuri Kokiyama famously cradled the, uh, the leader's head. Who assassinated Malcolm X? The circumstances of the civil rights leader's death have long been the subject of controversy, well-founded skepticism, and conspiracy theories. The man who shot the bodyguard in the thigh and um, the man who was shot by the bodyguard in the thigh and captured Thomas Hare, also known as Thomas Hagen, Majid Abdul Halim, confessed to the killing and is in prison. Yet, in, since his 1966 trial, he has maintained that the other two Nation of Islam members convicted in the murder, Muhammad A. Aziz, who was then, who was previously went by the name Norman 3X Butler, and Khalil Islam, who previously went by the name Thomas 15X Johnson, were innocent. In 1977, Hayer fingered the four men by name whom he alleged acted with him. The two other uh, gunmen and, uh, and two accomplices in the audience, but the information went nowhere. He served 45 years in prison before being released on parole in 2010. Islam uh, paroled in 1987 and died in 2009. Aziz, 83, was paroled in 1985 and is still alive. The Innocence uh, Project, along with the attorney David B. Shaney's, have fought to clear Islam's and Aziz's names, along with the people who have maintained the FBI and the NYPD were involved in the assassination. Although the agencies viewed Malcolm X as a dangerous black radical who somehow needed to be brought down, some experts maintained that they did not plot to, they did not need to plot to murder the leader because Malcolm X himself had helped make it possible. After leaving the nation of Islam, Malcolm X had ordered his security team not to carry guns and not to search people at the door of the Autobahn bomb, uh, at the Autobahn 
so as not to deter people from attending his meetings. <clears throat> there was no need for them to get involved with the killing of Malcolm X. They knew the Nation of Islam, Peter Goldman, a former journalist for Newsweek of the author, The Death and Life of Malcolm X, said in an interview with the Washington Post earlier this year. They knew that Muhammad's followers wouldn't be daunted by security or police. They knew that they would walk through walls to the nation's to do the nation's bidding. What prompted the reinvestigation of the Malcolm X assassination? Let's let's get into it. So here we go. A 2020 Netflix films, uh, a 2020 Netflix documentary series, Who Killed Malcolm X and the Efforts by the Innocence Projects, prompted Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance Jr. to review the convictions of Aziz and Islam. Evidence unearthed by Abdur Rahman Muhammad, a Malcolm X scholar whose research for the true killers was the focus of the documentary and investigative journalist Les Payne made a compelling case that the actual murderers were members of the Newark Mosque rather than Malcolm X's former Harlem Mosque associates Aziz and Islam, who, were, who, likely, uh, who, who likely would have been quickly recognized in the ballroom. Let me stop for a second because I'm going to address um, this name here, Abdul Rahman Muhammad. I listened to some of what this brother has to say. I watched, um, um, I watched the, um, the Netflix film. Um, and I liked what some of it was about, but I have a problem with Abdul Rahman Muhammad because he has been advocating for Benjamin heavily. He's been advocating for Benjamin heavily. And, and you will hear this in my critiques of the film from the beginning. If you go onto my YouTube page and you go and listen to my review of the Netflix film, my major problem with the film is that he has been um, advocating for this, this guy's, this guy, um, Norman Butler, rather, now known as Aziz Muhammad. He's been advocating for this guy's innocent. And we're going to find out that this guy was known as an enforcer. He assaulted several people on behalf of the Nation of Islam. He shot Benjamin Brown in the chest on behalf of the Nation of Islam. And Benjamin Brown may have been murdered in that shooting. I'm, I'm double checking that now because some sources say he was just shot and some sources say that he was murdered. And what ended up happening in the, in the Benjamin Brown situation they ended up picking um, Norman 3X Butler and Thomas up because they were known as enforcers. Their own reputation is what set the precedent for them to be picked up and investigated. And what ended up happening was that they knew that they shot this man, Benjamin Brown. We're going to read the story later, but they knew that they shot this man, Benjamin Brown. And I think that what they ended up doing was just dropping the Benjamin Brown case and um, just charging them with the Malcolm X case. Also, in the case of Thomas 15X Butler, he said that he was told by Nation of Islam officials not to really contest the case, to really just accept the time and go down for it. And so these guys made a sacrifice on behalf of the Nation of Islam because the Nation of Islam did not want them to really identify the real killers who were from Newark, because if they did identify the real killers, then this goes from just a state case, a local New York murder case 
to now it being a federal case. So if these guys are being exonerated, then someone needs to get on the task and, and see if the FBI will reinvestigate the murder of Malcolm X, because if the people from New York didn't do it and the guys from Newark were the ones that do it, then this is a this is a federal case. And the reason why these guys were told to fall, and this is according to 15 Thomas 15 X, one of the uh, the ones that's supposed to be exonerated tomorrow. They were told to fall and went along with it, and they were looked at as heroes at the time. Now they they don't want they didn't want it on their name. Well, Thomas 15 X is gone, but he didn't want that stain to be on his name. He wanted his name cleared. But everybody was cool with it at the time. And the reason why th that they weren't, pr they probably weren't used for the actual assassination wasn't because um, Norman 3X Butler and Thomas 15X Johnson would have been unwilling to do it. They just happened to be guys that were from um, New York. They were from the Harlem Mosque and would have been recognized immediately had they tried to um, actually get into the, the building unless they snuck in somehow. But there is video evidence in terms of Norman 3X Butler being outside of the ballroom, which we will talk about because he wore this ugly salt and pepper tweed jacket and he wore his hat in this Bama style uh, manner in which he was known for, for wearing his hat. And there's video evidence that he was outside of the ballroom. And with people like... Um, Abdur Rahman Muhammad don't address is is that video evidence of him being outside of the ballroom is the fact that he assaulted several people um, on behalf of the Nation of Islam. And what about the justice for Benjamin Brown and his family if he was murdered? I, I know that he was shot for sure and he may or may not have been murdered, but if he was murdered and even if he was just shot, what about his justice? What about his justice? Evidence unearthed by Abdul Rahman Muhammad and Malcolm X scholar whose search for the killers was the focus of the documentary and investigative journalist Les Payne made a compelling case against the actual murders of, of the Newark Mosque. Uh, I'm sorry, made a compelling case that the actual murderers were members of a Newark Mosque. And let me say this too, Abdul Rahman Muhammad, and this is not any like, like I don't like him. Or I'm not saying F him or anything like that. He's not the originator of of that. Omar Shabazz is really the first one that showed that this guy had a had um had a gym and uh, Omar Shabazz had them DVDs out. I'm going to say at least 2012, maybe 2010, 2011. Omar Shabazz already had DVDs out that I bought from him personally with this information on there. Also. Um, the guy, I want to say he's from Baltimore, but I think he's, he teaches in Baltimore. What is his name? Zach Kondo. Zach Kondo, um, wrote a book about the assassination of Malcolm X. And let me see if I can find out what year this was. Zach Kondo unraveling the assassination of Malcolm X's book. This came out in, um, January 1st of, um, 1993. So this stuff has has been out. Zach Kondo has been been talking about that. You can go on YouTube and type in Zach Kondo's name 
and listen to him being interviewed, naming all of the guys from Newark and saying that uh, Butler and Johnson were innocent, too. And he's saying this in the 90s. So Muhammad Abdur didn't really bring this information to light. Zach Kondo is the one that has been saying this since the 90s. And I disagree with Zach Kondo uh, trying to clear Butler and Johnson's name. That's some bullshit. Um, it, these guys are not innocent. They might not have been guilty of exactly what they were charged with, but these guys are not innocent. They participated in the conspiracy in the sense, and they also participated in the, the cover up as well because they didn't really take their case fighting their case seriously because they were told not to by nation of Islam, um, officials. And I believe Thomas 15 next, um, Johnson names one of those nation of Islam officials as John Ali. He names one of those nation of Islam officials as John Ali, but this information was not brought up by Abdur Rahman Muhammad. Like I said, at this time is, is not a matter of, um, of disrespect. So I hope you don't feel no type of way, but this information was brought out by Zach Kondo. And then in terms of it being put on film, it was first brought to light by Omar Shabazz. Now, in terms of it being put on Netflix and all of that kind of stuff, for whatever reason, they made it appear like this guy was the guy that brought all of this out. And I'm not saying that he don't know nothing about Malcolm X. I'm not saying that he not anything. I'm not saying that you can't learn anything from him. But what I am saying is in terms of the true killers of Malcolm, um, in terms of William Bradley's identity, all of that was already said by Zach Kondo. You can get Zach Kondo's book, um, Conspiracies, it's called. It's, it's kind of hard to come by now. But you can see that it was all laid out in Zach Kondo's book, and that was in the 90s. I'm going to see if I can get my hands on a copy of it. But you can go and watch the interviews with Zach Kondo. And then you can also go and check out Omar Shabazz's DVDs. That stuff was out years before uh, Muhammad Rahman, uh, Abdul Rahman Muhammad came out on the Netflix joint. And like I said, it's not a, it's, this is not a diss. I'm just kicking the facts at this time. If it needs to become a diss later, then we'll deal with it. But I don't, I don't have anything personal against the brother. So I don't want him to feel like I'm attacking him. But I got to speak the truth. Um, in the documentary, a close friend of uh, of a Newark Moss member, William Bradley, said Bradley, also known as Al Mustafa Shabazz, was the man who fired the sawed off shotgun that killed Malcolm X, echoing Hayes earlier assertion that Bradley did it. Bradley's alleged role was apparently an open secret in Newark, although Bradley denied it right up until his death um, in 2018. What's the latest news on the case? The Washington Post has learned from officials involved in the case that Manhattan prosecutors will move to vacate the convictions of two men who served decades in prison for their alleged role in the assassination of Malcolm X. Vance's office and the Innocence Project, which is a part of Aziz's legal team, announced on Wednesday that the two men would be exonerated on Thursday afternoon in New York State Supreme Court. While the announcement did not name the men, Aziz is the only living person convicted in the assassination who also tried to clear his name. 
Islam's conviction is likely to be vacated posthumously. So yeah, it's not likely to be vacated. Or I guess you could say tomorrow it'll it will be vacated. Yeah, but he he's not around anymore. Um, but he wanted his name clear too. But if you go on YouTube, there's video of Thomas 15 Next Johnson saying, Oh, um, what's the other guy? Tom Hare. He's saying, uh, yeah, Tom Hare should have been home. Um, it's not like he killed the president or something. So this, this means that this man doesn't even understand the volume of a Malcolm X. He's like, yeah, this guy has served enough time. Because I think Hare did like 45 years, according to this article. And I think that that, that is accurate. And um, shout out to the person that, that wrote this article. Um, Shana Jacobs contributed to this report. And what's the author's name? I know I read it in the beginning, but let me give them an additional shout out. Sydney Trent. Um because that, that kind of gave us a whole um, bio with Malcolm and tied everything in for this next part. So I told y'all we're going to be digging into the uh, the Carl Evans files. We're going to be digging into the Carl Evans files. And um, because he addresses um not only the issue with the netflix film and them trying to exonerate butler and johnson but um he addresses it all he ad addresses their roles in it and then i'm going to talk about uh them shooting benjamin brown and then we're going to call it a wrap so the first article i'm reading is called scholar on nation of islam carl evans goes off on netflix malcolm x documentary calls it nonsense the new Netflix documentary, Who Killed Malcolm X, has shaken up the case. Following its airing, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office has decided to re-examine the case. The documentary reignited belief that the two of the three men convicted in the assassination of civil rights leader and former Nation of Islam member were not at the scene. The Daily Mail reported the documentary began screaming on uh, Netflix on February 7th. Let me also, let me go back. I got a shout out the the author of this article um ann brown she wrote this article on february 17th 2020 uh while while some were impressed by the documentary nation of islam uh scholar carl evans author of the judas factor the plot to kill malcolm x was not to say the least he recently wrote an opinion piece on the film called the truth continuum um blog the truth continuum blog according to evans one of the film's producers Shayla Harris, who is an African-American, reached out to him for an interview and asked him to be involved in the documentary. Evans declined. He did send over uh, reference material, which he wrote um, was basically ignored. Instead, Evans said the documentary tried to claim that Norman Butler was not involved in the murder of Malcolm X. Evans insists that he was. Listen to GHOG. Let me, let me, uh, that was an article. Okay. Despite data I sent to Arc Media via Harris, they chose to go with the erroneous proposition that all of the assassinations were from New Jersey and that all of the, uh, all of the assassins were from New Jersey and that Butler was framed. They conveniently show the footage of William Bradley fighting to free Hagen, but they omit the footage of Norman Butler at the same scene. That's important. Uh, he added, I was contacted by Harris of Arc Media on January 9th 
2018 regarding the company's planned series on Malcolm X. I told her that I could not be a part of it, but two days later, I sent her panels from the Black Zapruder film, They Killed um, Malcolm X. Evans criticized one of the main sources of information in the film, Abdul Rahman Muhammad, who claims that his obsession with Malcolm X's murder changed the trajectory of his life. The truth is that his life had no trajectory as far as anyone knows. He's kind of fumbled his way through life until now, Evans chastised. According to Evans, Netflix got it wrong, something he worked to prevent. I wanted to make sure that um, Arc Media didn't fall for the bull patties about Butler being innocent of the assassination. Despite this cautionary advice, Arc Media chose to ignore the only positive proof that Butler was not um, at home with an injured leg at the time. No, he was right there on the front row killing Malcolm X, Evans wrote. Why does this information keep, uh, keep getting passed on? The biggest problem with most scholars is that they have fallen for the lies in a 1977 affidavit written by Thomas Hagen, a.k.a. Thomas Hayer, another um, affidavit signed by Benjamin Goodman, Evans wrote. According to Evans, Hagen lied during the trial. I can understand Hagen lying for his misguided brothers in the Nation of Islam, but Benjamin Kareem totally dishonored Malcolm X by giving defense lawyers a ludicrous affidavit. Kareem's notes in the affidavit that Thomas Johnson and Norman uh, Butler could not have been in the autobahn at the time of the assassination, but then admits that he was not an eyewitness to the murder, Evans wrote. And Benjamin Kareem, I'm a, I'm a, we're going to get into that another day. Evans says all of the evidence that Butler was not involved is um, Evans says that all of the evidence that Butler was not involved is there uh, just ignored. On February 7th, I wrote the attached letter to the Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus R. Vance Jr. and his associate Peter T. Casalaro. I have asked them to review the photos showing a man who I maintain is Norman Butler attempting to view Malcolm's body. Some scholars incredulously claim that the man is a doppelganger. Doppelganger, my ass. That's Norman Butler, he wrote. In his letter to Vance and uh, Casolaro, uh, Evans wrote, I am writing as regards to the current misguided attempt to clear the name of Norman Threx Butler, a.k.a. Muhammad Abdul Aziz, one of the three black Muslims who shot Malcolm X to death inside of the Autobahn Ballroom on February 21st, 1965. While it is true, as a retired detective, Anthony Vubaza noted recently in the New York Times that the investigation was boxed in many ways. It most certainly was not boxed in terms of Norman Butler. As the old movie tag goes, the butler did it. So, yeah, Norman, uh, you know, he, he kind of broke that down. Um, in terms of, you know, I personally don't go as far as saying that he was inside the, the, uh, the ballroom bucking shots, but, um, there is some eyewitness testimony. If you read the Malcolm X trial of them saying that he was in there bucking shots, but I can tell you that I believe that that person outside of the auto bar ballroom with that salt and pepper tweed coat. Like he said, doppelganger my ass, or however you say that word, that wasn't uh, no patsy. I believe that that was Norman 3X Butler that was out, out there. And he's never said that it's not him. And most of the people that defend him 
uh, they don't address it. And he definitely lied about his broken leg. He had a, a whole broken leg defense and he lied about it. And that actually is what ended up getting Thomas 15 X caught up because he was actually really injured, but he ended up lying about it. Um, I think that that is addressed in, I believe that that is addressed in his actual article. One second. The truth continuum, continuum. All right, we got enough time to read it. I'm going to spit through this and then we're going to get into the Benjamin Brown thing and then we'll roll. Bought uh, by Carl Evans. This is called Netflix Nonsense About Norman Butler, one of the three men who killed Malcolm X. By now, many of you are aware of the Netflix series about the assassination of Malcolm X or more specifically, who allegedly killed him. The series aims to identify who actually pulled the triggers as opposed to the far more troubling question as to who wanted him dead and why. Some have asked uh, why I wasn't in the series. I was asked by Shayla Harris, one of the African-Americans behind the camera to be interviewed for it, but I declined. Why? Because I was because when I asked her whether certain people would be interviewed and the answer was what I expected. So I told her I could not be a part of it. I believe that one of these people is Henry Louis Gates. I believe that one of these people is Henry Louis Gates because um, Zach Kondo said later when they kind of was talking to him about it, that if he had known that this documentary was going to be um, produced by Henry Louis Gates, that he wouldn't have been involved in it. And so I believe that once Carl, once Carl Evans put two and two together, that this was a Henry Louis Gates thing, I believe he was out. The people I refer to are responsible for some of the most despicable lies ever cast on Malcolm X's legacy. Despite data I sent to ARC Media via Ms. Harris, they chose to go with the erroneous uh, proposition that all of the assassinations, uh, all of the assassins were from New Jersey. Let's skip down. Let's skip down a bit because I don't want to reread too much. One of Marable's sources was none other than Abdul Rahman Muhammad, the person at the center of this Netflix series. Muhammad claims that his obsession with Malcolm's murder changed the trajectory of his life. The truth is that his life had no trajectory as far as anyone knows. He's kind of fumbled his way through life until now. He has not written any books or lengthy articles about the assassination. He has only written one blog of note, and that was because of a friend of his from Howard University led him to Bradley's whereabouts. Everything else in the series is based on uh, my books and the books by Zach Kondo. In Marable's biography of Malcolm X, Muhammad is cited as the source for Marable's bogus assertion that Malcolm X had an intimate relationship with Sharon 6X8 uh, Poole, a.k.a. Shabazz. So this guy is spreading lies on Malcolm X. A part of, of um, the reason why we love Mal Malcolm is the way that this man was committed to his marriage. Now, mind you, the FBI was following this man everywhere. He went within the country. NYPD had surveillance on him. When he out of the country, CIA got surveillance on him wiretaps on his house, etc., And they, and even they said that Malcolm was honorable and lived almost like he was a monk. And this man, now this is where we're going to get into. Now I'm taking shots at you. This man, um, Abdul Rahman Muhammad, 
is a source. I didn't know this, guys. I didn't know this, that he was a source for Marble's bogus assertion that Malcolm X had an intimate relationship with uh, Sharon 6X Pusha Bass. When I asked Muhammad about this claim, he replied that Malcolm X fathered Sharon's child. Are you serious? This was, of course, a blatant lie, one that I brought to Marble's attention long before the publication, which he printed anyway. In fact, Benjamin Goodman, a.k.a. Kareem, fathered a child by Sharon Poole 14 months after the Malcolm X assassination. Once the lie was exposed, Marble's researcher named Kareem as its source, yet there is no attribution to Kareem in Marable's book. So this is this is crazy. So this child that, that uh, Abdul... This Netflix uh, guy, Abdul Rahman Muhammad, this claim that he tried to throw on Malcolm X was actually Benjamin Kareem. That's the guy who we who I just talked about not talking about. Um, that was he actually is the one that had the baby with Sharon Six X Pool, and I've heard that Malcolm was going to set him down behind behind his having an affair with with this with this sister. But for, for um, him to be the source, Abdul Rahman Muhammad to be the source of this lie, it, it is lower than I even thought that 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 he he could go. I just thought it was we were disagreeing on the Butler issue, but for him to be putting out just straight up lies on Malcolm X with no evidence at all, um. And that book about Malcolm X, Man in Marble's book, you you guys know that that's a fallacious mess. Um, a lot of bad things um, being said about Malcolm. Um, in that book with no evidence. And these, this is one of the, the things that was used to, to sell that book, that Malcolm had this affair, that affair, or whatever. Um, with, with Martin Luther King, he was under surveillance just like Malcolm X. It's documented. You know what I mean? It's, it's documented. Malcolm's, all of his movements are documented and none of them are affairs. You even have people like Louis Farrakhan who said that he never seen Malcolm chew gum or wink at a woman. That this man was somebody that lived upright. And that's coming from a snake like Farrakhan. So for Muhammad Rahman Abdur to make that kind of a claim at the great Malcolm X, unacceptable note that i brought the truth of the matter to marble and his quote-unquote researcher almost a full year before his book was published marble wasn't interested in the truth he needed some salacious and fallacious uh some uh rubbish to sell his book those are just two examples of the slop which won marble the pulitzer prize that's the way america works i was contacted by harris of arc media on january 9th 2018 Regarding the company's planned series on Malcolm X, I told her that I could not be a part of it. But two days later, I sent her the following panels from the Zach, from the Black Zapruder or Zapruder film. They killed Malcolm X. Still shots of William Bradley trying to help Thomas Hagen escape after the assassination of Malcolm X at the Autobahn Ballroom. February 21st, 1965. Guys, I just got approved by Anchor to do video. So I may redo this as one of my videos one day so that I can show you guys. Um, I can show you guys these stills. Um, of course, I can't show you now because this at the time of this recording is all 
audio, but I may need to redo this as video. So be on the lookout for that. I wanted to make sure that Arc Media didn't fall for the bull patties about Butler being innocent of the assassination. Despite the cautionary advice, Arc Media chose to ignore the only positive proof that Butler was not at home with an injured leg at the time of the assassination. No, he was right there on the front row killing Malcolm X. The biggest problem with most scholars is that they have fallen for the lies of the 1977 affidavit written by Thomas Hagen. I can understand Hagen lying. Let's go now. I don't know why Betty Shabazz or anybody else was able to positively identify the suspects, Butler and Johnson, and thus place them at the scene, especially Butler. That Sunday morning, the very day of the assassination, Butler had been in the hospital to have work done on his knee. How does Kareem know this? He doesn't say, in fact. Butler's own physician testified during the 1966 trial that he didn't see Butler and treat him until February 25th, 1965. That's four days after the assassination. Another puzzle about Kareem's statement is that he says he doesn't know how Betty Shabazz or anybody else could identify Butler. He never mentions his mistress. He never mentions his mistress, Sharon 6X Poole, by name in the book. That's how dishonest he was. James 67X Warden wanted Malcolm to expel Kareem because Sharon was only a teenager and Kareem was a married man. Remember that at the time of the assassination, Malcolm X was scheduled to testify in court against Elijah Muhammad, whom Malcolm called immoral because he was sleeping with his teenage secretaries. Kareem was embarrassing Malcolm by doing the same thing. Nor does Kareem make any mention of Sharon identifying Butler moments after the assassination. Now, this girl that Benjamin Kareem is sleeping with, Sharon 6X Pool, also identifies Butler moments after the, after the assassination. That's interesting. In fact, if you go to the 21-minute mark in the Black Zapruder film, you will hear Sharon being interviewed off camera by an African-American reporter. Sharon says she recognized one of the shooters as a black Muslim from the Harlem mosque. They were black Muslims. The reporter asked. Then he hollers, Hey, uh, Benjamin, that's right. He was going to ask Benjamin Kareem about Sharon's statement, but just like he did after introducing Malcolm X that fateful day, Kareem ducked for cover. So we even have some questionable stuff about Benjamin Kareem in terms of his character. We already know He's sleeping with this teenage girl. He's helped covering up um, Butler's involvement. And this teenage girl that he's sleeping with testified that Butler was was there. Wow, this is deep. I'm learning this as I'm as I'm putting this together, guys. This, I hadn't I didn't even really put this together all this deep. I had read this article before, but for some reason it's coming out. It's coming to me better now. The reason Betty Shabazz and others could positively identify Butler as an assassin is because unlike most men who were supposed to be protecting Malcolm X, but ended up hiding behind the stage or under chairs, Betty Shabazz, Sharon 6X Pool, Yuri Kochiyama, and other women were willing to die for Malcolm X that day. They got a good look at the shooters while Kareem and the other soldiers, quote unquote soldiers, were somewhere hiding, quivering in their boots and soiling their pants. On February 7th, I wrote the attached letter to Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus R. Vance Jr. and his associate, Peter Till Casalaro. All right, we already read that. Uh, the media rarely listens to when a black person exposes injustices. The public, 
um, has to wait until the truth is discovered by a white person before it deserves attention, before it's validated. Butler's biggest mistake on February 21st, 1965, was wearing that tweed coat and his hat with the hillbilly style 45 degree angle reminiscent of Barney Fife and Jethro. And so he attaches his letter there. I won't read his letter, but you guys can go and check out uh, his article. So, all right, let me see if I can get on this article in terms of the shooting of Benjamin Brown, and then we'll get up out of here. So we covered a lot. I did not know. I, I kind of heard the rumors about Benjamin Kareem, but I didn't want to go all the way in with it. That's why I was like, man, we got to talk about him um, another day. But look at look at all, all that came out of that, you know? Bear with me, guys. Bear with me. All right, so from what I see here, this was this was a, a a Benjamin Brown killing. This wasn't just a shooting. All right, so in short order, two more Nation of Islam members joined the North conspiracy. William Willie X Bradley was 26 years old at the time, dark in complexion, heavy set with a history of violence. Wilbur X McKinley, by contrast, was over 35 years old then, and like the other three men in conspiracy. Only about five feet, nine inches tall. The proprietor of a small construction business, Wilbur X, had worked at the Newark Mars. While beatings like the one carried out against Leon Amir in Boston had become disturbingly common for the nation, execution of members or descendants remained extremely rare. Yet as, of the, yet as the nation seemed to flounder in the wake of Malcolm X's defection, brutal disciplinary measures were taken with greater frequency. Remember, there were a lot of people leaving. There were a lot of people leaving the Nation of Islam when Malcolm X left. And that's why up in Boston, Farrakhan and them, they were whipping people's ass to get them to stay within the nation. It was a bad time to leave the nation. They would whip your ass. Um, in the Bronx in late 1964, for example, Nation of Islam member Benjamin Brown started his own, quote unquote, Universal Peace Mosque, which featured a large photograph of Muhammad in its storefront window. Since Brown was not requested, um, had not requested prior approval of Moss Number no. Seven or the Chicago headquarters, his actions were judged as insurrectionary. In the early evening of January 6, nineteen sixty-five, three Muslim dropped three Muslims dropped by Brown's Mars, complained about the display of uh, Muhammad's portrait, and uh, departed. Several hours later, as Brown left the mosque, he was killed, shot in the back by a 22 caliber rifle. The NYPD investigation of the death and arrested three men, all uh, Nation of Islam members. Um, two of them from Mars number seven, lieutenants Thomas 15X Johnson, Norman 3X Butler. And these were the two men that were convicted and are going to be exonerated tomorrow um, for the Malcolm X uh, murders. The police found the 22 caliber Winchester repeating rifle in Johnson's home. So they found the they found the murder weapon in his house. It had uh, been fired once, then jammed. 
Butler and Johnson were subsequently bailed out, but the police were convinced that both men were involved in Brown's shooting because they were well-known enforcers. This was their reputation, quote-unquote enforcers. Thomas 15X presented a curious case in the Nation of Islam's crusade to poison his members. Uh, Malcolm's, uh, he was Malcolm's driver for a minute and abandoned his boss during the schism with the nation. However, at first, he had not shared the obsession to destroy Malcolm that had infected the other uh, Fruit of Islam members. When in December of 1963, Malcolm had been silenced. Johnson stated, like all mosque members, he was surprised, but he had assumed that the minister would soon be reinstated. Yet, after Malcolm established the MMI and the OAAU, Johnson firmly sided with the Nation of Islam against him. Thomas 15X's hardened, uh, hardening of purpose began with the Queen's court hearing over the disputed ownership of Shabazz's home. Quote, uh, this is a quote. Malcolm wasn't just a minister. He was the top minister, Johnson stated. Going to explain that uh, because of his status, Nation of Islam members had agreed to purchase a house for him and his family. But if you leave, you can't have that house. Uh, we brought you a brand new car and everything. As long as you are correct, you've got that. So it's like, hey, we'll kill you over this house or whatever. You can't you can't have the house no more because you're not in the nation. But we bought it for you as a gift. Anyway, guys, this is going to be it. Thank you so much, brothers and sisters, for listening. Uh, I will be back soon with a lot more material. Um, you know, this is just an unfortunate situation. These guys are obviously uh, on on record. Um, and, and I, but like I said, this, this case and this Benjamin Brown case was kind of like pushed to the side because they already had them on the Malcolm X case, but doesn't Benjamin Brown's family deserve justice as well? So I just want to put that out there. Thank you so much, brothers and sisters for listening. Continue to show your support. You can email me anytime esummers91 at gmail.com or elsummers91 at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram, lsummers, or that's L Summers, E-L Summers, underscore 10 uh, on Instagram. Thank you so much, brothers and sisters, for your support. Peace and love.